Good evening. Let's go. Jen. Hey, Noam. How you doing? All right. It's uh, it's Wednesday night, and we're all crossed out, I guess. Uh, again, <laughs> as always, as every Wednesday, it takes this long. It's about it's it's a, it's about at this point where we're just like, ah, can this can this end already? And this is the the extra stressed out version on my part because my upstairs neighbor was making noise before we started recording. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Please, dear God, no, do not make me deal with this. But it's okay now. It's okay. It's all going to be okay. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, here we are once again to discuss uh, awful things. And, (laughs) you know, we were going to, we wanted, because, you know, we, 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 we would prefer to to be like lighter on our toes uh like you know like on the, on this one thing and maybe talk about a pop culture thing that's going on maybe and not the heavy shit but like there there kind of there kind of isn't we're kind of stuck with the crap that's going on yeah like i floated the idea that okay like maybe for colin we can keep it kind of lighter and then we can keep the heavy stuff for the main pod and then the, the next week comes around and it's like, nope, that was a cute idea. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, it, an attempt was made. An attempt was made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, um, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to start with, uh, we're going to start with uh, the, <laughs> wait, hold on a second. Uh, <laughs> do other people not hear us? JD says he cannot hear anything. But uh, by all accounts, everything seems to be working. Because I hear Jen. We're both in the room. Yeah, usually, usually when other people can't hear you, I can't hear you either. Yeah. Uh, JD, try uh, leaving and coming back in. I think uh, I think things are okay. We're going to continue as though things are okay. Because if they're okay for the both of us. <laughs> They should be. We are going to continue as if things are okay. It's pretty much like the SOP for all of this. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. The past past seven months of this is just us continuing as though everything is okay. Um, And so, like we said, we're going to... Okay. So, briefly, because now... Because this has been talked to death, Right. There was the big testimony at the January 6th commission uh, by an aide to Mark Meadows, uh, whose name eludes me at the second. Hutch, is it Hutchinson? Yes. Is it? Yeah, it is Hutchinson. Because now everybody loves it. Can we preface this? Because like everybody loves a hero. Everybody wants to like cast a hero. And uh, and George Conway is saying shit like decades from now people are gonna ask each other where are they where were you when this testimony was going down, and on the other hand people are saying 
she's a disgruntled li- Trump person. Like you literally can't even remember her name. <laughs> yes, right, at this at this particular moment. Yeah. Well, because because again, it's like she she's she, even if everything she's saying is true. She was also like in that administration up until that point. And if you really hate everything that Trump stood for, even up until uh, uh, and before January 6th, like you have an ax to grind with this woman that has nothing to do with January 6th, right? Because there is a, there are people who say, who were, uh, who were able even to like put up with Trump's bullshit until the election stuff happened. And then they were like, oh, no, no, no. You know what? Even through COVID, I was willing to I was willing to stick with this because, you know, the media was unfair and said that he said to inject bleach when he didn't. And they said that he was telling people to take fish tank cleaner and he didn't. All kinds of crap like that. Uh, But the election thing went too far. Uh, and and so everybody who was like on the you know in the Trump administration, even if like January sixth made them like jump off the Trump train, you know if you hate everything Trump ever stood for, like why is that person suddenly your like your big hero? And, and just to back it up a little bit for people who haven't been following the one six hearings, um, these have been going on for a couple of weeks now. The woman in question that we're talking about, I believe her first name is Lindsay. I, I, I don't know that feels right in my head, but her last name is Hutchinson. Let's anyway, see. so. Is it Hutchinson? Oh, is it? Wait. We're going to eventually, we're going to, it's Cassidy Hutchinson. Cassidy. It is one of those, like, white ass names. Anyway. It is, that is an incredibly white name. I was going to say Cassidy Hutchinson sounds like the name of somebody who, like, lives on Martha's Vineyard. And plays polo. <laughs> and, and honest to God, I mean, given her age, I mean, she's in her early 20s, which I, I say that because the whole reason she's testifying is because she was a top aide to Mark Meadows, who at the time, Mark Meadows was the White House chief of staff under Trump. So you don't typically get to that point in your career at that age unless you are connected. Anyway, not really the point. So she goes and she testifies, and people have latched on to certain parts of this testimony. The one that everybody has latched on to is the story that she was allegedly told. So this is a third-hand story, first off, that she was told by a different Secret Service agent, Tony Orlando, that after Trump's speech on January 6th, after, after the speech of the Ellipse, when everybody was going to the Capitol after that, that he got into some sort of altercation in the presidential SUV, not the, not the limo, the SUV. Basically, well, there was, yeah, there was a whole, it's, you're already getting into the meat of, because we're gonna, we're gonna get into the weeds of this. And the point is, like you're saying, a lot of it got, like bogged down in stuff like that in tabloidy details, but also in, in things that are important details that are important because she called it the beast. And then everyone went through the cycle of like, well, there's a partition in the beast. How could he have done it? But he can, he can lower the partition, but it wasn't the beast. It was the SUV because everybody's watching it live and everything's going immediately on the internet and nobody takes five seconds to go like, wait, was it that car? Was it the other car? 
you know, anyway, keep going. Because I'm just saying, like, everything is going to be colored by this type of, like, mess. Okay. And, and so just to, like, reference, like, when people say the beast, I mean, they are referring to both the official presidential limo that we all know and love. But also there is a presidential suburban, I yes. believe. It's what it's probably based off of. But it's an SUV. And I so- want any car that I mean to be called the beast. It's like Air Force <laughs> One. If I'm in a Jetta, it's going to be called the Beast, okay? Although technically, you know, just a side note, any airplane that the president is on is actually Air Force One. Yes, yeah, so I know. That's why I, that's the, also there's also <laughs> I think also the same goes for Marine One, which is the the presidential chopper that I will occasionally see fly overhead. Um, yeah. Yeah. My, no, my neighborhood is great. I see the presidential chopper over my head. If I go to for a walk in the woods, I occasionally see a wild Fauci <laughs> running around in the woods <laughs> with jeans and a pullover. Do you take ca- pictures of him for Rolling yeah. Stone? Yes, and a, and a $15 Casio watch for whatever reason. <laughs> Wear a watch. Dr. Fauci, do you have a watch? I don't know. My my grandson has a Casio watch. Bring, bring that. Bring that to the photo shoot. That was David Attenborough. It was like, the wild Fauci wears a Casio watch. We don't know why, but he does. And you can observe this in nature. You see him. see him on the bridge with the Casio watch. We don't know why he does that. But observe. Observe. Amazing. <laughs> anyway, that's my point about the SUV. <laughs> He's far away from his home turf of Wuhan, China. <laughs> Migrated here for the summer. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, everybody, everybody seized on this whole like the ketchup against the wall. I didn't finish the- telling the story. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought. Okay, so never mind. Keep going. No, okay, so he's in the SUV, not the limo. And so the story goes, as it was told to the 1-6 commission, that Hutchinson was told by Renato that, again, this is all third hand because neither one of these people was actually in the SUV, that apparently Carl, or no, Bobby Engel, who is the chief of security for the secret service for the president he was in the suv and that as the story goes basically trump had to be somewhat tricked into getting into the suv because trump was allowed to be under the impression basically because nobody corrected him that he was getting in the SUV to go to the Capitol and not to the White House. So he gets in the SUV. You know, I'm I'm assuming if I was Angle, I would certainly wait until the SUV was like rolling down the road before I started having this conversation. But so Angle is in the front passenger seat. The driver is obviously in the driver's seat and Trump is in the passenger rear passenger and Angle tells him, no, we're not going to the Capitol. We're going to the White House because we do not have enough assets to protect you to go to the Capitol. And by, by the way, yeah, and by the way, because I heard a lot of people like talk about this, about like how could they do this? I do believe that they're allowed to do that, that they it is within their authority. Because like, oh, you yeah. know, 
you know, like if the president is speaking somewhere and like a gun goes off, like his Secret Service will like grab him physically yeah. and drag him into like it doesn't matter what he's doing or not. Like that's the thing. It's like we got to be in the car in 15 seconds. And if you're like walking, we're literally going to drag you into it to save your literal life. Like that's. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think that the Secret Service guy oh, can yeah. say like, Mr. President, we're not going where there's a riot. Like, yeah. I'm sure you yeah. want to, but that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> because that's the Secret Service's job is to keep the president safe, not to do whatever the president tells them to do. This is not driving Miss Daisy. This is weird. Like, the, whoever was driving the vehicle, and, and this name has not been made public for, I'm sure, several reasons, mainly because I'm sure the Secret Service does not make any of the drivers of the president public knowledge. But, yeah, that dude is not going to break protocol and he damn sure is not going to defy the actual head of security for the president who's sitting right next to him to go drive the president wherever the hell he wants to go. Right. So anyway, he's informed, Engel informs him that, no, we're not going to the Capitol. We're going back to the West Wing. Trump apparently loses his shit, becomes irate, and allegedly tries to go for the steering wheel. Like, he tries to grab for the steering wheel. And with his other hand... He's basically, well, okay, let me back it up a little bit. So he grabs from the steering wheel. Angle grabs his arm and says, no, sir, I need you to keep your hands off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. And then apparently Trump kind of puts his hands on Angle and pushes him back and tries to still get at the steering wheel. What happens after that? I mean, obviously he goes back to the West Wing. I'm, I'm curious to know what happened in between that and the West Wing, but Everybody kind of latched onto the idea that Trump like went for the steering wheel. And, and for me, I'm less concerned about whether he did or did not go for the steering wheel versus knowing if the rest of that story is true. Like, did Trump really think that they were taking him to the Capitol? Also, when he was told otherwise, did he become irate and... That kind of, I mean, I know we did the whole presence of mind conversation comes up and it's not really kind of neither here nor there, but it would give some kind of credence to where Trump's head was at and what he was genuinely trying to do in that moment. And it also, for me, it would answer the question, which has been asked multiple times, which is that why didn't Trump just walk with everybody else to the Capitol like he said he was going to? The answer he thought he was going to be driven there. So, and so that that's the story. I mean, and there's a bunch of shit that came out in Hutchinson's testimony about what Trump said as far as getting rid of, like, the metal detectors leading into his 1-6 speech, basically saying, I know they're armed. I don't care. Get rid of the fucking mags. I, they're not here to hurt me. So, basically, like, the the admission that Trump knew that they were armed. It was basically like, I don't give a shit. And it, there, there's a lot, there's a lot, but everybody kind of latched onto the steering wheel thing because it's funny. Like it's funny to think about Trump, like trying to like carjack a secret service. Well, SUV. but here, but here's the, and, and that's the thing, right? Oh, everybody loves a good Twitter dunk. But here's the problem, and here's where everything becomes ridiculous and unserious. This one thing that, again, is uh, something that she had heard uh, from someone else 
that someone then came out and said, I'm, I, I'm willing to say on the record that that's not true. Someone that they had already spoken to. And now here, here's where like the malfeasance of the January 6th commission comes into play. Because why, if, it, if they had spoken to this person, they knew, they knew what Hutchinson's testimony was before now. They wouldn't have brought her up if they didn't know what she was going to say. They had the ability to cross-reference what she said with Engel beforehand. And didn't, I guess. And so this is all very weird and sus. And if they and they could like they could have skipped that part, like they could have even been smart about it and said, like, let's stick to the stuff that like it won't people won't come out the same day and say, like, uh, no. And then there was that also the thing with the fucking note where they were like, did you write this note? Is this your handwriting? And she said, yes. And then I think it was simply no, no, it was um. Some no. other counsel who said, no, it isn't. I wrote. That's my handwriting. And that was very sus. And it, that also goes back to the fact that there are no real, like, because this isn't a trial. People are, are, are discussing it as though it's a trial because in, in some ways it is a kind of a legal proceeding. People are under oath and there is a contempt of Congress charge if you, you know, if you lie and if you perjure yourself, all kinds of crap like that. Uh, but there is no cross-examination, effectively. Like, the only Republicans there are, like, Liz Cheney and whatever, and they're, like, on the essentially on the side of the prosecution. That goes back to, you know, the fact that Kevin McCarthy decided that there were not going to be any Republicans once Nancy Pelosi didn't approve, I don't know, Jim Jordan or whoever he was going to put there for, like, to cause shit. Yeah. Not, not to, to not be serious. And then Trump threw him under the bus by saying, "Like, ah, it's not, it's not good that there's not that there's no Republicans on there, because there's nobody there to make his case, or at least forget make his case. Can we for a second like get back to the fact that like things like this are supposed to be about figuring out that the truth of what happened and cross examining a witness, like trying to impugn a witness in certain ways, is like conducive to figuring out what the truth is. That's why like." The police do it. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, it's funny because people say, oh, there's no Republicans because we need this witness to get attacked because one side likes it. No, we need we do need like to be to get to the bottom of things. And we do need uh, 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 like assiduous questioning of witnesses and to say, are you sure? Are you sure that this is what happened? how do you respond to this person who said this? Can you somehow, you know, what, you know, can you somehow refute what they say to refute you? And once you don't have that, you basically have a series of depositions, you know, of open-ended depositions that people get from a, a somewhat sympathetic crowd too, that wants to like, you know, feed into the because like with Blasey Ford they did have the ability to do that but like they couldn't politically really they had to bring like a lawyer they had to bring like a lawyer lady so that they wouldn't have to do it that was really weird where the Republicans were like you know if we question this woman who claims that she was raped it, it's gonna look really terrible so yeah. like let's let's bring some lawyer who isn't us to do it uh, but here there isn't anybody to say like you know, how, how how can you say this or that? Or, for, again, bring up like, wait, was it the limo or was it the SUV? 
There's a, is there a partition? Is there not a partition? That's like, again, we're trying to figure out the truth here, right? Not, we're not trying to either, uh, get Trump, like the, 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 the purpose isn't punish Trump or get Trump off. It's like what, if he deserves to get punished, then yes. But like, that's the, that's the, that's the thing we're doing right now is the process of that. And nobody treats it like that. To me, and, and this is, I, I watched the first two hearings in full and I've caught the rest of the ones in like kind of bits and pieces. This is a presentation that that is the literal point of this. I mean, we call them hearings, it, but it's not technically a hearing. It is a presentation of facts as they have found them. I do not believe that anybody on that commission would have let this story go forward if they hadn't corroborated it with somebody. But to go to the point of, well, there's nobody here to cross-examine, uh, whose fault is that exactly? That's That would be Kevin Yeah, McCarthy's I just said, yeah. Because, again, and- yeah, they because Republicans thought that if we just stonewall this, then it'll go away. And then Adam Schiff and the the Democrats were just like, okay, we're doing this anyway. And then they just had to stand there looking like stupid with dumb Pikachu paces because you 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 gambled and you lost. Like yeah. You and by the way, I'm saying yeah, I'm saying the victims the victims of this aren't like Republicans. It's like the public, right? Like we're ill served by the situation. And yeah, when I said this, when I said like, oh, sure would have been nice. Thanks a lot, Kevin McCarthy. A lot of people said, well, he proposed, it's Pelosi's fault because he proposed people. And she said, no. And I said, yeah, but like, we all know that the people he proposed were unserious people. Yeah. Were like, you know, like people who were going to be antagonistic and not, and and he could have like, as though there are no Republicans who could have like done a good job there. You know, there used to be, I, I know he's not around anymore, but uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, uh, the guy who used to be a prosecutor. Um. Uh, somebody's gonna. Somebody. Someone will know. So you're gonna be a guy, little more specific. Blonde-haired guy. He used to be uh, in Congress, and he used to be a Southern dude, Republican. Um, somebody will know. Um, Anything. But but uh, but I'm saying like yeah. there are like there there are plenty of people who would like you know, come to try to like defend Trump quote unquote and not be Jim Jordan or not be Matt Gates. I don't know who you wanted there, but like And, and that's Oh yeah, Gowdy. That, Troy Gowdy. Uh, Trey, Trey Gowdy. Trey yeah. Gowdy. That's what I was thinking of. So even if I you don't I like his you were pop- going, but I'm like I, is he Trey Gowdy? Well, I mean, yeah, because, like, again, even if you don't like his politics or whatever, like, he could have, he could have, like, approached it in, like, a serious manner and not just a, an attempt to get on social media, like, try to get some kind of weird viral clip. And one thing that people have noted about this hearing, and I noted it, too, because my my expectations for congressional hearings are, like, Okay, find the seventh circle of hell and then drop the limbo bar a little further, and that's where my expectations are. <laughs> but this has not been like a a grandstanding sort of exercise. This has been, and actually, the commission has called a shit ton of Republican all stars as far as 
lawyers, judges, people who are deep in the movement to testify that, yes, this was as bad as we said it was. This 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 was bad. This was an attempted coup. And it's it's not like they're picking Democrats to like testify against this. Like they're going deep into the Republican bench. And it's almost it, it almost a slight troll kind of that they're that they're basically saying like, okay, you didn't want any Republicans on this commission. Okay. We're going to find every single Republican we can find to testify to this. So what now? Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, um, what I the, the effect I'm I'm trying to consider the effects of this that are going to happen away from like from all of the mess people who quiet, will quietly sit there. Cause somebody said to me on Twitter and I said, I, I bet a lot of people feel that way. Someone on Twitter said to me, like, I don't give a crap about January 6th, but I hope this does make Trump not run so that DeSantis runs. Like he was like, I'm a Republican who thinks this all is all bullshit, but also hope it helps get Trump out of the way. And I was like, you know, I think a lot of people are like that who are like, you know, if he's the nominee, I'd vote for him. But like, yeah, if this helps get him out of the way, yeah, sure, whatever. And I need to point on Twitter that while I don't think this is going to touch Trump as a person, like I don't think he's going to be prosecuted for anything. I don't think he's going to jail for anything. This will very much damage, if not put the nail in his 2024 chances, because you're going to have the tool, the dual situation of this completely damaging his brand plus his age i mean especially if biden runs again like what you're gonna run trump's i mean he's gonna be pushing 80 at that point i mean like what can we no 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 no. this gives everybody a nice good excuse to pick somebody like desantis or anybody literally anybody who is at least i don't know 30 years younger than trump and and can and you especially if Biden runs again, because then you can do the whole Nixon JFK thing where you, you have Biden and he looks old and tired and and then you have somebody who looks relatively young by comparison. I mean, I, I think DeSantis is how old is he now? I, I'm sure he's in his 50s at this point, but I mean, it's still going to look young next to Biden and you can do that kind of comparison. And especially if there's a situation like, okay, if Biden runs in 2024 and he's like calling a lid on the day at 1 p.m. and you have DeSantis or whoever the GOP nominee is and they're still out there campaigning at like 10 o'clock at night, like it's going to be a stark difference. And so it, it there there does offer that kind of opportunity to like quietly shelve Trump for different reasons and kind of go in a different direction. And I mean, I have no doubt that Trump is going to run in 2024. I mean, this is, this is who we're dealing with, but I don't know how much traction he's going to get, especially, I mean, it's 2022 right now. It's it's deeply difficult to even try to predict who's going to get the nomination in 2024. But I mean, 
the field is going to be massive. It is going to be younger. It is going to be less damaged. And I can see even primary voters kind of being like, eh, we're kind of done with Trump. And I can also see there being a bit of like Trump fatigue syndrome where people are just like tired of Trump and ready for somebody else, like even somebody in that mold, but just not him again still because like he never went away like he never did the thing where like w did where basically he like went away and then he kind of came back for a minute and then he's like oh he's his, oh look it's w and he's so nice and he's got the candies from michelle and they're so nice oh they're done, they're done. And everybody forgets that they like hated him when he left office Trump never went away, so nobody has ever had a chance to miss him. So I, I, I can definitely see a situation where when it comes time for like the 2024 primaries, everybody's just like, ah, I'm done with this well, dude. Well, also, and, and another another big thing that I see is the uh, people hate that he won't get over 2020. That's yeah, the thing. Because like, Bush, when Bush did his like... Uh, he did this, he, he did the rounds. He did like a whole series of like interviews, right? And the interviews were semi positive. Mm-hmm. He didn't go like litigate the Iraq war. He didn't like, he didn't talk about that at all. Like yeah. that's the thing. And that's, and I think to some extent, I think people do kind of appreciate that. They're like, don't, f- f- whatever. Like in Obama, I don't know. I mean, I haven't, I don't think Obama doesn't really spend time like uh, now, like complaining about the, the the things that happened during his presidency. He doesn't say like I don't know, whatever. Like I, I mean, maybe he does. I'm I'm trying to think, and I'm not coming then, up with him. But like people yeah, are like, he, thing, like you don't see him very often. I mean, he's still on Twitter. I mean, you see him at like official state functions as a former president, but you don't see him. Right. Like, okay. All so like okay. Television. Okay, so like the 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 SCOTUS justices, right? Mm-hmm. The thing it's become a meme, but SCOTUS, but SCOTUS, right? Every time Trump did something horrible, and every time something came out of this, the the, the never Trumpers and the leftists came after the people who said, "Look, I don't love Trump, but SCOTUS," right? And so then you get like this gun thing, you get uh, the Roe v. Wade thing, you get the the religious uh, the religious freedom uh, ruling that happened. Mm-hmm. The, this week mm-hmm. and and where's trump to to like to celebrate like the, this the 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 magnitude of this win for like people who are strongly conservative judicially and also socially conservative is like hard to hard to overstate again we were talking about this roe has been around since before we were born and is the thing that people devoted their entire like lives and political careers to battling and are like and 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 some say will like forever hold the place of respect for Trump for having put the justice in there. And he's not he's not doing a victory lap over it. He's busy no. talking about Cassidy Hutchinson on Truth Social. And he, he literally distanced himself from the Dobbs decision saying that it was a bad idea. Yeah, quietly quietly i mean yeah, first he, of but all he's not taking credit for that no at all. i mean first of all i'm sure that he paid for lots of abortions uh yeah i, I <laughs> well i mean he was pro-choice he was pro-choice up until uh, you he know, was it? yeah i mean you know what a lot of evangelicals told me in 2016 a lot of evangelicals were saying like look if he gets us what we want 
I'm willing to look the other way for the fact that he's immoral or whatever. Okay, but fine. But now you got to live with the fact that you're like happy about Roe v. Wade and he's going like, eh. And the like, midter- yeah. the midterms, the midterms. <laughs> but like I said, he is laser focused on himself. He's laser focused on looking backwards. I was, I, I, I was, um, I, I had lunch with a friend of mine today who's like not in this world at all. Like not in out, not in. She's not, she's not heavily online and she's not heavily involved in politics. But she is a being in D.C. sort of a, a liberal, and she was, you know, kind of. Uh, talking about Trump and talking about the hearings and stuff. And, and, and I said to her, like, I, I do think that the fact that he's so focused just on this and not looking ahead to the future makes him less attractive, even to people who like him, because there is a, there is a, there is a scenario. My, uh, my uncle uh, John said on the, the, the commentary podcast a little while ago, theorized like a, an angle of attack for DeSantis to come out and say, like, I have lots of respect for President Trump. President Trump did this and he did that. And, he, you know, and I'm not going to. But he's also too old. And, you know, he's, you know, he's done. He's done his things. And he's he's very busy trying to clear his name and, all kinds of stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. and like it's it, time it, to move on. Yes. Not to say, yeah. like, fuck him. Try to kind of supplant him in a way well, like that. Like- yes. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you watch our you watch Arcane, right? You know the, you know the. It's like the council session where they push Heimerdinger out, where he's like, "I'm, I've respected Councilman Heimerdinger's uh, his contribution to the city. I've been okay, but, and that's why I propose. Yes, I propose a royal retirement. And he's like, "Wait, what? A royal what now?" And they're like, and then they're all like, "Oh shit! Oh, good idea!" They all look at him like, "Oh man, good idea!" Like you totally like you. Yeah, you've yeah, got how... <laughs> your word. Cool. Like exactly. You can just chill. The rookie, like... the new guy, saved us from the tyranny of this uh, of this <laughs> from this Furby alien. Um, watch our game, by the way. It's fucking fantastic. But yeah, that's kind of like that sort of like almost to to kind of. To, yeah, to push him down a flight of golden stairs. <laughs> like, <laughs> to what? paraphrase Sun Tzu. <laughs> but as I said, like, uh, between this and his age, there is going to be kind of that movement to be like, okay, it's his time has come, it's gone, and just, it, it's time for somebody newer and younger and fresher to kind of carry on the MAGA legacy or whatever the fuck they want to call it. I don't know. There is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there is, there is, uh, I mean, uh, there is no, there is no looking ahead for him. And there, what's going to happen, I mean, first of all, 2022 is going to be like the midterm elections are going to be a huge influence on how 2024 is pitched to voters on both sides. But there, there. There's definitely going to be uh, like an increase in ferocity from the left in terms of like the you know the culture because the 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 uh, judicially we're we're in a weird situation where like uh, like you know because Democrats are in power now and again they have this like stranglehold on the culture but they just suffered like a huge loss on the cultural side of like the judiciary right because the guns. And the and the uh, and the abortion and the praying and stuff. That's all also kind of culture war issues, right? The only thing that didn't happen was like there wasn't some kind of like anti-trans decision. That would have been the end of it. 
that would have been like the last ingredient to cause just a huge explosion. <laughs> but so they're, I think they're going to crank up the culture, like the, the, like meaning like the cultural pressure. And so they're, yeah, any Republican nominee is going to have to kind of propose some kind of strategy to combat that and say like, and DeSantis has this thing where he can say, I look what I did to Disney. Disney was like, we're gonna, we're gonna try to put our corporate foot down about this, uh, this, you know, this gay, I, I don't want to say don't say gay because I, that's not, that's not what it's called. But, uh, but over that bill and I butted heads with them and you, we, you and I spoke about this, about how it's mm-hmm. ultimately not going to go anywhere. Like uh, yeah. it's probably, the, the thing's probably going to not happen, but ultimately he looks like the winner here. They kind of look like they back down and he can sell that for like the future, like here, they're going to be coming at us with all of their corporate wokeness. I'm going to make Christopher Rufo, my secretary of education, or I don't know what. Yes, I know. Jen's, Jen's doing a face that you can't see, but uh, I mean, I'm not saying that I would like that, but I'm saying like, that's, he's going to have a strategy. He's, you can bet your ass that he's going to have some kind of strategy like that, that he's going to outline. And from Trump, I don't see any of that. All I see is like, we got to, we got to, you know, get rid of these mail-in ballots and we got to relit. Again, he's going to he's going to do some kind of thing. If he becomes president again, his first official act would be to, like, do a new commission to somehow retroactively prove that the election was still like I, 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 mark the date of today. <laughs> June 29th of 2020, <laughs> his first executive order would be is going to be some kind of commission to like re reinvestigate how Dominion through the, the the 2020 election or something like that. But kind of moving on from Trump to the topic of the culture war and the judiciary, uh, we wanted to discuss the Kennedy versus Bremerton school districts verdict that came out of SCOTUS that basically through a series of events and I'll I'll try to keep this brief. Okay, basically Kennedy was a high school football coach and he had a propensity for leading prayers on the field and also in the locker room and this went on until one day one day this, this kind of cracks me up because it's kind of funny to me because this is the shadiest shit I've ever heard. Um, an opposing coach went to the principal of his school and was like, you know, I think it's super cool that you let him just like lead prayer circles on the field and stuff. And they were basically like, um, excuse me, what? So, <laughs> yeah, basically they were like, uh, yeah, you got to like cut that out right now. And so for a while he did, admittedly, and then, then he resumed it again. And it's not a situation where he was fired per se, but he was not offered a renewal of his contract and he did not seek a renewal of his contract. So it was kind of like, kind of sort of a, a mutual parting of ways, but everybody knows why it happened. So... Basically, he was suing the school for infringing upon his First Amendment rights, basically, to be able to pray 
on the football field. Yeah, and, and by, by the way, the, the way that I uh, that it was explained to me was that after he was told by the school to not lead his team in prayer, he didn't. He yeah. prayed by himself a Kate and a couple and there were three apparently there were like three incidents that led to this quote unquote firing. Two of them involved him and players from the opposing team praying together and one involved him praying by himself. Like the, the thing was he stopped doing the thing that they told him not to, which is to kind of – because I guess they said – and yes, I do understand by the way that aspect of it. The idea of like if you do a team prayer and if somebody's an atheist or they're Jewish or they're a Muslim, there's a uh, – there's kind of like a, an outgrouping atmosphere but the idea of like oh i want to pray by myself and yeah there's i don't know 10 other christians and they're going to come kneel with me when i pray um but again i think the more important i think the more relevant aspect for us is always like the way people react to these things and the (laughs) the the hot take du jour where everyone's like oh here's my point here's me being smart what if it was a Jew? What if it was a Muslim? Right? Which is always hilarious because, you know, like the like Muslim and Jewish organizations, uh, they filed like amicus briefs in this case on the, on the side of the coach. And, and there is some, some parsing and some bullshit in the actual ruling as, as far as whether he was engaging in you know private solemn prayer versus praying on the 50 yard line to me it's it, it's a distinction without a difference because i mean if you're on the field you are visible like are we having like a visibility standard here but what i think is funny about all the hot takes is that if this was a situation where it was a a muslim coach and he strictly adhered to islam Okay, in Islam, there are very specific times a day that you have to pray. Like, this is not, like, optional. You don't get to, like, put it off if it's inconvenient to you. Like, there are, are, like, times in the day where you got to bust out your prayer rug and face towards Mecca and pray. So I would almost say that if this was a Muslim coach, this would have been an even stronger case of violation of one's First Amendment rights because it would have been a violation of their religious freedom because Islam does have very specific rules about when you pray. Now, I know Judaism isn't as strict, but and I'm not quite sure what like a, a touchdown celebration in Judaism would look like. <laughs> I'm very curious to see, like, do you whip off your helmet and the yarmulkes underneath? Like, I don't know what goes on here. But, it's, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 the idea is that now because the Supreme Court has said that yes, you can do this thing, you can pray, as and again I don't want to get too far into the weeds into what this decision actually was, but it's basically like, okay, can you tell a government employee what they can and cannot do when they're technically not doing their job per se. Like he wasn't in a teaching role. He wasn't in, in like, it, it's, it, it's very difficult. And there's, there's a, there's a whole conversation that goes on. Yes. I think, again, I what, think it's important. I think yeah. it's very important to, for a school, let's put aside the ruling for a second, because I do think, again, religious freedom, 
if he wants to pray, whatever. I think it's important for a school in a situation like this to make sure that, like we said, it doesn't develop this in-group culture where like the kids who pray with the coach are somehow favored uh, or there is some disfavor for not participating. There needs to be, uh, again, there there needs to be a sort of careful uh, uh, supervision that that doesn't happen because it is a situation where you kind of have to let people pray. And so that's, it's on you not to say don't. That's because a lot of these cases come down to somebody abdicating their responsibility for an easy solution. The easy solution is just to say, oh, nobody pray. No, because if you pray, then I have to make sure that nobody's being coerced into prayer. And that's difficult and complicated. And it's just easier for me to have nobody else pray. And it's like, no, fuck you. You don't get to do that. If it's somebody's right. And so, yes, it creates a more difficult situation. But, yeah, tough shit. Life is hard. And being an educator can be difficult. And, like, that's, again, tough shit. And, I don't know what to the, say. And that was the dissent opinion was that some of these kids may have felt like they were compelled to do this or that they were coerced to do this. But nobody ever presented any hard evidence that any of these kids felt this way. And, I mean, and, and of course, I'm not ignorant as to how high school sports work. I'm not ignorant as to what you need to do to get in the good graces of your coach so that you can get the field time and the promotions and stuff like that. But making the argument that these kids were doing this under coercement to me ignores the possibility that some, if not all of these kids were doing this of their own free will, because of course there are kids of faith. I mean, there are kids that go to church. There are kids that pray every night. I mean, there are kids that are, like I said, of faith they are in the church and that that may be their genuine thing that they want to do, not because they're trying to appeal to the coach or anything, but it's just as genuinely what's in their hearts to do. And without at like some kind of evidence that somebody was coerced into doing that, I'm not comfortable saying that there was coercion involved. Like, cause to me, like I said, that just ignores the fact that yes, they could have been doing that of their own free will. And as far as I can tell, there was no penalties or at least nothing that anybody like articulated or, or demonstrated that there were any kind of penalties for not participating yeah. In the prayers. And so, I don't know, yeah. And I, I don't, don't know, know if the and I don't know if the majority opinion mentioned this, mentioned like the need to avoid this the sense of coercion or not, but I do think that that's a good that's a that's a very good standard, the idea of like making sure like I said, it's on educators have complicated jobs and yeah, like zero for example, like zero tolerance policies, which is a very popular thing in education is mostly meant, again, to make problems easier to solve. It's easier to solve if gun equals suspension, and then it doesn't matter if it's a finger, if it's doing he's doing a gun with his fingers, if he drew a gun on a piece of paper, it doesn't matter. Gun equals suspension, right? And then nobody got to think. It's all like rubber stamp bunk. And so, yeah, yeah I know. Mm-hmm. But, but something kind of along those lines, and this is going completely in a different direction, but something that I was thinking about today um, did, did you see the, the cancel that 17 story from the New Yorker was in the cut? Did yeah, you read sure. it? Uh, I, I, I mean, I, uh, some of it, I didn't, I, I, it's funny. Cause like, uh, 
Because like someone will, I'll, I'll be browsing Twitter and I'll, I'll see people go like, oh, you got to read this, you got to read this. And so and I open it up and like the first paragraph is like, Maureen stood on a cold, rainy night. I'm like, I'm not reading this now. No, 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 I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have, I don't, I don't have patience for a piece like that right now. <laughs> but so do, do you have like the general parameters of what happened? Yes, yes. A, some 17-year-old kid drunk at a party showed his friend a naked picture of his girlfriend on his phone and then became like a pariah in his small town where people spit on him on the street and put up notes about him and all kinds of stuff like that. That's based, I think, that's sort of the skeleton of it that I know. Yeah, like shit got completely out of control, but actually Jesse Singal asked the question on Twitter today that I didn't even think about till he asked it, which I don't know why it didn't even occur to me when I was reading the piece, was that he was asking, basically people are saying that this kid did something illegal, like there was something criminal involved here, and if that was so, and I, I and it didn't occur to me until I read the question, like, wait a minute, if this girl was underage, then this kid was technically in possession of child pornography, of which there is a zero tolerance policy federally. And so I started to wonder, like, okay, did anybody at the school actually report this kid for having child pornography? Because technically they're supposed to. I, so I believe that there is some weird gray area if both people involved are minors. And like, I can't remember, and it, it, it also yes, varies. Yes and no. Yeah, I can't remember, there's a, it, it gets really weird. And so I don't know. If he was also a minor, I don't know if it counts as child porn. If he showed it to another minor, like if, if everybody involved is a kid, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, there have been situations, and Reason has covered a couple of these, where yes, underage people have been prosecuted for possession of child pornography because they had nudes of their also underage girlfriend or boyfriend because there have been situations where girls have been prosecuted for you know having dick pics of their 17 year old boyfriend because technically it's child pornography but yeah i mean just back to the zero tolerance thing but anyway completely Yeah. Completely off topic. But. Well, our society really did kind of fall ass backwards into this situation by all of a sudden, by by both uh, advancing rapidly to the point of like uh, uh, set, sort of the the sexual the sexual uh, sexually active or sexually curious age decreased as did the age where everybody had cameras and the ability to send pictures (laughs) to each other. Cause like in the eighties, I mean, maybe dick pics and pictures of, you know, like 17 year olds sending naked pictures to their 17 year old boyfriends would have been more popular in the age of like Polaroids. If if people had like a phone. You you can't fit all that in Frank though. Look at the little birdie, honey. I'll send you a Daguerreo, a naked Daguerreo type of yourself. Yada da, yada da. They're gonna dance to Charleston. You wait three days for that shit to develop. Yeah, it's like one of those with the uh, with the uh, with the magnesium flash. <laughs> Like, like, damn, I could have just went over there and saw it quicker than I could have got this damn picture. He's like, yeah, <laughs> take a picture of me like one of your French girls. He's under the little, you know, there's a little hood. There's that little, like, fabric hood on the old yeah. cameras. <laughs> He's... <laughs> I'm just thinking about the, like, 
<laughs> well, you know what? You laugh, but you know the the one industry that has been the the one that's always on the bleeding edge of yes. every new technology. Yes, it's porn. Except for except except for four K. Porn, the porn industry doesn't like 4K because you see all the flaws. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Makes things look a little too good, you know? Like if you ever watch The Hobbit in 4K, it's like, oh, I can see all of that CGI. I can see where the – I can see all the work. <laughs> same with the, it's the same with the porn. I can see, I can all, see the all the work. I can see all the work. <laughs> I can see the scars. <laughs> I don't know how we even got to here. I'm glad we did, though. I'm glad we got to some some uh, some laughter, even though we're because again, we're not. So yeah, I, I, because we got way off topic talking about <laughs> people porn porn throughout history, <laughs> dick pics. Dick pics throughout history. <laughs> that's the next. That's the next hardcore history episode. Is dicks, <laughs> dick. <laughs> Honestly, I would listen to that because yes. I mean that shit is fascinating. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I wasn't kidding. Like, porn is always on the bleeding edge. Like, I gotta do a gotta do a Dan Carlin <laughs> porn podcast parody. <laughs> We'd be like, quote. And I shoved my dick in her and took a picture of it with my Polaroid, end quote. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are, like, like silent horns. Like, yeah, no, there are, yeah, yeah, there's all, yeah, no, there's all kinds of, there's, I, I, I'm sure there's YouTubers who go into it. But, yeah, there's all yeah. kinds of, like, uh, famous, all kinds of, like, weird burlesque under, like, a super underground lascivious things of yore. Very interesting. There's yeah. a lot of very kind of, uh, there's a, a, an interest because like nothing is new, but you think all this stuff is new. It's I, like I said, the only thing that's new is like everybody has like a camera and the ability to send it to another person. And yes, once and, and back to the, the reason you even brought this up is like, it gets really dicey and it gets really weird and complicated when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to, to people who are underage. Cause like back in the day, who who was 16 had the ability to bo- take naked pictures of another person who was 16 and then have easy access to like the ability to copy them you would have to take it to a photo lab right <laughs> you'd have to take it to get the ve- like unless again unless it was like a polaroid camera but like otherwise you'd have to take your like camera film to the film store Oh my god! I'm I think I, I have a story, <laughs> and I do. I think they had to. Rep- I think they would have to report you to the police. Like I don't know what the laws about that shit was, but like they probably, if especially if they thought it was like child pornography, they would definitely yeah. call the cops. Like I'm sure a lot of like, is there, aren't there like cases of people who got arrested like by trying to develop their like illegal act pictures and like the person at the. At the film store was like, uh, hello, 911. It's me again. It's, <laughs> I found another idiot. <laughs> like I said, I, I have a story, but I, I will not share it. Oh, my. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, mm. I'm, I'm old, people. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And again, we laugh, but. That did used to be a barrier, a legitimate barrier 
to people taking pictures of like ali- either like lascivious or illegal things that just doesn't exist now. It's just on your fucking phone. Yeah, you can just do it now. You don't have to take it. Yeah, I never, you know, that I never actually thought about that aspect of it, about the idea that it is that that having someone else having to develop your pictures was a reason that a lot of people just didn't take pictures of certain things because they were like, what am I going to, unless you're like, you make, yeah, I, I'm, uh, you know, who the only person who was doing this, people who worked at photo labs, <laughs> they were, they were taking pictures of all their dirt and just like, doing it, doing, just doing it, it in a shift. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, Stan, take a long lunch. I'm just, I'll hold the fort here. <laughs> I'm going to process this backlog right here. Uh, I got it. Don't worry about it. That's so good. Amazing. I think, uh, I think we're going to, I think uh, on this, uh, on this, uh, on that note of, uh, of giggles and laughter, I think we might, uh, yeah, we might roll, we might roll into the end of the show. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we'd like to thank you. I, there is a small chance that uh, we're gonna uh, take uh, July Fourth off. We don't know yet, so stay tuned for that. We'll promote it if it's uh, from the the pod. But if not, we'll be back here next Wednesday. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna call an audible. Yeah, exactly. It, a lot of it depends on like uh, whether or not there's something fun to talk about um, or fun. Either fun <laughs> or extremely not fun, one or the other. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, so uh, yeah, stay tuned to, uh, for our, our social medias, which we're going to play in a second. And uh, along with that, Jen uh, plugs uh, my that uh, my brain stopped working. Okay. Anyway, so call it. You're here. You already know where to find it. So our main pod, ambitious crossover attempt. Uh, we've released every Monday. You can find it on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon slash Audible, all your podcast catchers. Um, on Twitter, you can find us at AMBXOver, which is where you need to be to find out if we're actually recording this weekend. Um, you can find me on Twitter at that Jen Monroe and on Substack at jenmonroe.substack.com. Awesome. I'm Neon Taster on Twitter and also youtube.com slash C slash Neon Taster and twitch.tv slash Neon Taster. Haiku the Robot streams, uh, which have been going on on Twitch, are going to be going up on my YouTube channel pretty soon. Uh, and uh, that's about it. So uh, we are going to see all of you next time. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, Noam. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Good night. Bye.